Mama made me mash my M&Ms. 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 <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Poet Salon, a podcast where we talk to poets over a drink we've prepared especially for them. I'm Duji Tahat. I am Luther Hughes. And I'm Gabrielle Bates. Today, we're talking to Nabila Loveless. Nabila Loveless is a born and raised Queens native, as well as a first generation American. Her work has been published or is forthcoming in Narrative Northeast, Washington Square Review, Day One, ESPNW, and Vinyl. She is a co-founder of the Conversation Literary Festival, and in her debut collection, Sons of Achilles, Nabila attempts to examine the liminal space between violence and intimacy. And before we get to that dope interview, we're going to answer a quick question. So crazy about cover letters asked, when I'm submitting poems to a journal, what should I put in my cover letter? Well, crazy. That's a damn good question. Um, I feel like the best approach to cover letters is to be boring and professional and then get out of the way so that the poems can speak for themselves. So you always want to include the titles of the poems that you're submitting in the order that you're submitting them, basic contact information if that's not part of the form already, and I don't know, maybe if it's simultaneous or not, and then get out the way. What do y'all think? I do uh, like condensed first person bio. Oh yeah, you always want to include a bio, but you want it to be third person. Oh, for sure. Ooh, In my I, opinion, well, Luther, have, have you ever seen a first person bio? Tiebreaker. Uh, definitely third person. Uh, first person, it feels wah, wah. like really weird. Almost, con- <laughs> almost, almost conceited. I love you, Dougie, but <laughs> Oh, my last piece of advice is try not to be quirky and stand out in your cover letter. Um, Leave out the part about your cat. Uh, Leave out the part where you're trying to interpret your own work for the reader. Ooh, when addressing the editors, uh, no gender. Uh, Don't say Miss or Mrs. or Sir or Madam. Just say their name, right? So if it would be like, Dear Gabriel Bates versus Dear Mrs. Da-da-da. So no gender. You don't know gender is if you do know still stay just their name um because gender doesn't exist anyway so why would you even yeah. bring it up <laughs> there's also uh some dude who's sending around dick pics when he gets rejected don't do no that. yeah Are that's you a thing yeah he out there i have yet to get that but i have had lots of men and it's only ever been men Always. respond to a rejection letter with some form of how dare you or um i worked really hard on this i can't mm. believe you didn't take it yeah don't so don't do that, that either yeah i think the main thing is like as readers and editors it's like we're busy we have a million other things if you just like are straight up with what's in this packet and what i need to know going into it without like telling me how to read great we're good Mm -hmm. yeah like i said professional short get out of the way all right on that note we should get out of the way and move to nabi's interview let's do it So to kick us off, I'm so excited that you live and have lived in Alabama now for a few years because I was born and raised in Alabama. I didn't know any poets uh, historically from that region or contemporary when I was growing up there. And so it just really excites me 
to meet poets who have experience with that part of the country full stop, but also mm-hmm. Alabama in particular. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what your experience has been being a poet there and how that compares to what you thought it would be like going in. Mm-hmm. Um, fears, hopes, uh, preconceived notions. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. Like, I love living there. I think I, I had a lot of, like, um, just in general fears about living in a new place, you know? Um, and a place that I had, like, only visited once and <laughs> that I, like, didn't really know nobody in, you know? This was going to be, like, a real fresh start for me. But I had, like, kind of done that before, you know? Like, when I moved to Atlanta, I had family there, but not really. Like, I didn't know them. <laughs> My family tried to do a whole thing where they were like, meet your aunt and cousins. Uh, and yeah. I was like, this is beautiful. I'm probably never going to speak to these people. You know, like, <laughs> just because it's like, yeah. oh, like, yeah. I, you know, I'm doing other things and whatnot. And they would like check up on me and they were real kind. And I was just like, this is amazing. And also like, ah, look at me in college. You know, like, um, and so I had done the whole like move to a place that I was unfamiliar with, maybe didn't know nobody yet mm-hmm. a couple of times. And so Alabama was just like another iteration of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was really hyped, to be honest, because I at the time I really needed to get out of New York. I had been living in New York for one more year. I'd like just come back from living outside of the country and I was at a terrible job <laughs> with a woman who thought that she was running a fantastic nonprofit, but she was really a racist white woman. Ooh, you know? so many experiences it's like that. It's a lot of those, there, so you know? <laughs> Luther's mm. face is very much how I felt the entire time. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like applied to grad school on the whim and hope that there's something else I could be doing <laughs> that wasn't this um, somewhere else. Because also, like, New York was just a lot. Like, I couldn't really afford to be living anywhere. I was living with my mama, you know, and I love her, but living back at home after not living at home is not exactly the wave, you know? Uh, and so, Luther, is this relatable? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hearts. Hearts. Eye to eye, my friend. <laughs> it's a hard journey, you know? And it's out of love, like, and thankfulness and hella gratitude, you know? And mm. also, it's hard, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so I was I was like, maybe there's some other shit that could happen right now. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to grad school and got into a couple of places and went down to visit Alabama and was like, there's something here. And I very much am a person who like believes in being led by the spirit. And like mm-hmm. while I was there, I met uh, this fantastic person named Shaylin Smith, who's a nonfiction writer. Um, and she was like the person who was hosting me. And she just like, we like took like a four hour walking tour basically of Tuscaloosa and like stopped by the Black Warrior Dam and we're really close to water. And like, I felt like my grandfather there. And I'm, you know, my grandfather's not from this country, like mm-hmm. lived in Queens when he did move here, like when he did, like when my family immigrated here. But for some reason I felt him there and I was like, yeah, no matter what, this is where I'm supposed to be at. Um, I didn't know why, I didn't know exactly like what it meant, but it ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made, you know, like there's so much happening in Alabama. Shout out to Ashley Jones. There's the Magic yes. City Poetry Festival that started up. Like, uh, There's what I love really working with, the Alabama Prison Arts Education Program, um, which is like one of the like 
illest prison education programs in the country in a lot of ways because they actually give you training in terms of thinking about what it means to be pedagogically going into a prison and like that you're not here to save anyone you know what I mean like that's like a big big component of what it means to be working with them Um, and there aren't you know there in terms of like prison education a lot of stuff is through specifically like religious movement in terms of being able to have that kind of access to do any kind of education Mm -hmm. inside of prisons and like incarcerated spaces so this is like one of the only ones in that state that is secular you know and is able to do these kind of things too and so yeah you know i've just i found a lot of possibility in alabama and i'm i'm really thankful you know yeah, I think so much about just like the physical spaciousness of the South that when you're not used to, it's like you're expanding, but also the quality of the air, like there's more moisture in the air physically, literally. And so there's like this presence everywhere you go. And, and so I'm not surprised. Huge. Yes. Huge clouds, huge thunderstorms, yeah. just beautiful sky. And I'm not surprised at all to hear that you like had a sense of like feeling your ancestors there in that moment. Um, in part because of that quality of the air. It's like you are moving through something um, when you're in the South that I haven't really encountered anywhere else I've gone. Yeah, Um, very true. mm. Yeah, so it gets me thinking about the conversation, obviously, right? And being a fellow for the past two years has been fantastic. Um, It's been mind-blowing, life-changing, all of the things that sounds cliche (laughs) when talking about the program, right? But it has been, right, in a way where it gets me rethinking about my own poetics and life and artistry, right? And how to build community. And so I want to talk about, or ask you about uh, how that started um, and how that move to Alabama kind of inspired this um, program with the idea of, you know, emerging through the South and reconnecting with the South. Um, yeah, just talk about that for us, please. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Luther. Also, like, it's been a pleasure to get to know you even more through these you know through the festival um and all the ways that we works but (laughs) yeah um yeah you know it started out of friendship you know Mm -hmm. it's just like just thinking about what it could mean to have all the homies (laughs) come down you know it's like really how like that was like the literal idea it was like me and a homie on a porch in new orleans Mm -hmm. and like dreaming you know throughout the city walking dreaming you know like what could it mean to have all the homies here and then we started thinking like more deeply about what that would mean in terms of like a convergence of geography you know Mm -hmm. i don't think we thought as much in terms of like people who were from there to be coming to the space which is something like i'm thankful that we've become more thoughtful about Mm -hmm. you know like uh last cohort was a lot closer in terms of like where we want to be at in terms of trying to think about that mm-hmm. um before we get too far ahead you mind like explaining the yeah, conversation yeah, yeah, just for yeah. folks who um so the conversation literary festival is like a moving troupe of writers <laughs> throughout the south uh, who are all black and brown and queer um and wondering what it would be like uh to be able to put on um free readings, workshops, and craft talks uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and ending in New Orleans, and all with the discussion of like what it could mean to have a mecca space anywhere, really, Um, but also considering in the spaces that we're in uh, throughout the week, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I, you know, it grew out of 
living really you know living in new york and feeling like would it ever be possible for me to have that kind of space and time here in new york mm. and at the time it didn't really feel like it to be able to have a space that could feel autonomously mine you know like or autonomously ours in terms of a collective thing um and new york just continually in a lot of ways at the time felt like it was becoming more and more of like an intrusion to try and mm. like think about anything there in a lot of ways because there's just so much already there mm. it's an incredibly vibrant and incredible place and there are things happening all the time like in queens right now there's um programming by like trace the past that's called like mm -hmm. Southside thrives you know and it's like all it's like uh these different po uh, poetry workshops and uh poetry talks that people are able to attend and like local authors are able to attend and get different like uh, guidance and just ask questions and different things and I think that that's super ill and when I was there it was really hard for me to dream to be honest mm -hmm. because it just feels like it felt like there was so much already happening and mm -hmm. so much already there and and it like was just anxiety inducing in a lot of ways you know like a place that goes 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 even though I grew up in that that wasn't the way I had been operating for the past five years you know and so it felt like I was having to do this shift that I wasn't ready for mentally or physically you know and so I was like I, I love this place and I, I gotta get out of here you mm -hmm. know and I think I was really contemplating uh with a homie like what it could mean to have space, you know? Because that was a big thing, is that like, in New York, I don't necessarily feel like I have space, you know? So what is what could it mean to have space? And then moving down to Alabama and seeing space, it feels like in so many possibilities, especially if you are really down to work with community, that what you are thinking about possibly erecting you can do out of like real gratitude for the building that has come before you and that you don't feel like you're an intrusion to anyone who is living there and possibly wanting to do whatever they want because there is so much space. Like you drive and there are like completely, completely like just grass you know like mm -hmm. complete just fields of grass going and going and going and just like complete land you know like space like spaces that have been abandoned sheds farms you know you see it all and it it's like wow like this is just a shed that nobody is living at you know what i mean like what like yeah. you can stop on the side of the road and look at who has maybe lived there before you mm -hmm. know like look at the archive of the space and just imagine the building that has happened before you there you know in order for you to be able to be there and feel as like expansive you know mm. and so I think I was interested in, in what it could mean for like all of the homies to possibly mm -hmm. feel that or at least consider it you know like us and like even if you're from it right to like come back and consider it you know or if you're living in it consider it with people who have never considered it mm -hmm. you know um, and I think that that's a lot of like where the conversation came from and now it's like expanded into like really thinking about the process of it and what it means to be like a very lateral organization that like everybody is peers and how it happens is just through like recommendation really you know like that's pretty much how everybody has been picked for the last few years it's just like this is a person who is a peer who I also respect who I think would greatly appreciate this opportunity and sometimes it's people's friends sometimes it's people who people have just encountered at a reading once or twice you know um but I think it really just is a thing that built out of friendship and wondering what it could feel like to 
be in space that feels expansive and not enclosed mm. with specifically black and brown and queer folks, you know? Mm. I'm curious. I mean, like, you, you definitely, you're talking about, like, history and space. Um, and certainly, like, the conversation is about tracing origin in a way, right? I think there's some sort of genealogy and history, but I'm curious, like, what other sort of forces are you tracing its origin mm-hmm. to in the South? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like you, sp- you spoke a little bit about the spirit. There's certainly, I think some cultural things uh, you're drawing on. And then I'm also curious, I'm a zero generation American, I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And I think like there's a lot of, there's something diasporic about the way mm-hmm. you talk about the conversation that I really identify with, um, which leads me to the question I'm always asking myself, which is like, how do you know what's yours to claim? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've been struggling with recently is that I don't really know if anything is only because like mm-hmm. I have issue with ownership now. Like I'm just like ownership is this thing that is so obviously capitalistic. And I feel like that was like mm-hmm. a flaw of mine in thinking about starting the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Was that like, this is our land because <laughs> our ancestors did all, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I think more so in terms of thinking about lineage, I've been thinking about the fraughtness of fromness, you know, like, mm. so like my people, you know, I'm from, I'm from Queens. My people are from Trinidad and Nigeria. Right. Um, but I'm only from Queens because I was born there and my people are only from Trinidad because up to a certain point, someone moved to, to Trinidad. Someone mm-hmm. migrated from St. Lucia. Right. Like I started finding out that all these other branches of my family that like Trinidad was the big country to move to from like St. Lucia or Panama or some of like the smaller islands and what it means for like one of like some of my family or my ancestors to have come from uh, uh, like the Virgin Islands over to Trinidad to in order to like seek this new possibility right like and then for then my grandfather and my grandmother to move from Trinidad to America for this like also facade of possibility you know like and so many of the people who are dealing with in terms of the conversation from this is so wild because you know it's people there are like folks who I love who rep Chicago ODOD and then they start talking about their grandmothers and then they're like I mean I'm also from Alabama you know like my grandma still lived there my 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 like my ancestors and like my homies have their like they are in that space either living there in terms of like a right now or like their bones are there, you know, like they're in the dirt. And so of course they are there. And so I I think so much of what I am still trying to really learn in terms of the conversation is what, like how do we balance this like fraughtness of fromness that like really, we're not really from anywhere, you know, like it's it's just all a way of claiming, you know, like mm-hmm. these like I, these identities yeah. and like trying to find something to grasp onto mm-hmm. in terms of our like own ways of configuring our personal identities, you know. But that fromness is a way to claim too, you know. It's a way to do ownership as well. And I'm interested in more of like a diasporic sense of knowing that like we are really all nomadic forces, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and I will, you know, I've rep Queens so much with the understanding in my brain of like. 
I mean, from is a weird thing. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. from is just such a weird thing, you know, like, and I've lived in other places that it feels very much have built where, like, who I am and where I'm from and what, what do I do with that as well, you know? What do I do with those of the great migration who moved to the, like, northern places for a facade of possibility? And what do we do with the fact that there's a huge movement right now happening where, uh, like, re-migration of a lot of their grandchildren moving mm-hmm. back to the south in an idea of like mm. claiming a space that they know their parents used to live or their grandparents were at right like and understanding that there's a spaciousness that they could have right and so yeah i think a lot of me is like still trying to reckon with the understanding that this is all bullshit mm, yeah. and like that it is a way for us to hegemonically develop the same kind of settler notions you know like and also like know that we actually are people of the water which means that we are people of everywhere right like that we really are on some like diasporic nomadic shit and maroons in a lot of ways you know what I mean like that that's the truer thing you know yeah yeah and I think like both troubling that and embodying that I think about like I think about, I mean, like the internet, right? Just like the internet culture and the way that we choose to make our communities and like Mm -hmm. both the infrastructure and the place, right? Is that, it's like, it's so much becoming more and more a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, But then obviously it leads to questions of like, how do you honor like family, right? And like sort of the traditions and like the legacies um, that you have inherited from, right? Mm. So balancing those, I think are really difficult. Hell yeah. Do you know how to do that? No. <laughs> no. Can you tell me? Like, what's, 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 <laughs> you, like, know, like, you haven't solved that? <laughs> like, no just give idea. me the cheat sheet, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you know that's like one of the exciting things about being alive right now, right? Like, is that like we are answering or like seeking the answers to questions that like weren't our parents' questions mm. because like we've been able to at least come to some kind of understanding with some of those, right? Like, my mom moved here and like, as an immigrant, you know, and she was knocked up with the questions like, what does it mean to be an American mm. after like after having migrated here? You know, like, mm-hmm. and that is not my question. Mm. You know, like that is a question that I've been able to kind of learn from her, a possibility of like an answer to, you mm. know. But my question is like, what does it mean to be of this place because I was born here and also of the place that my mother was born because so much of that, like, you know, was how I was brought up. Like sure. there were so, there are so many like things in terms of produce, like brush sprouts I never ate growing up you know what I mean like just like small I was talking to uh, a homie over the weekend uh, about this you know like that I didn't like I had never had Brussels sprouts until I got older (laughs) you know like and that's like so small but but it's like you know I grew up with like Kalaloo which is like Mm -hmm. a, a a dish that is traditionally in the Caribbean, you know, and like in the West Indies and involves greens made a very specific way, you know. Mm. I grew up with like whole corn in the soup, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and whole potatoes and like whole yams and like whole plantain, you know, like, and just a different kind of way of approaching cooking and what it means to be working with particular resources. And that, that was innately not American mm, in the ways yeah. that I was mm. understanding what it meant to be American, yeah. right? That like I would come into school and they would be like, what's your favorite food? food and I'd feel really excited because I'd be like I clearly have the best meal you right. know like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's oxtail you ain't even macaroni and cheese yeah, like, and plantain yeah. like what do you mean yeah. this is clearly everyone else's favorite meal <laughs> and then I say it out loud and they're like you eat oxtail and I'm like y'all don't yeah. and then like what? it's also the yeah. first time I'm really hearing like that mm. this is oxtail rather than like a thing that I'm just like consuming mm. you know and so that way that I feel like that you can feel very uh, like 
honestly othered even when, like with other black folks you know like um but also understanding that there's an idea of Americanness that like maybe I don't exactly embody and that there's an idea of Trinidadianness that I very much so do not embody <laughs> you know I am very much so a Yankee to all of my family you know that <laughs> so I think like the question for me in my growing up is very much so wondering about that balance you know like how do I honor what I know to be true which is that this from this is bullshit but also like the lineages that I carry that have absolutely been built because of the places that we that we have traveled from Mm -hmm. you know i love your phrase the fraughtness of from Mm -hmm. and that's an obsession that keeps popping up in my own work a lot and i've noticed it in the language i'm using even like the word of like that preposition just like keeps coming up like Mm -hmm. what am i of like ofness Mm -hmm. and so i'm wondering have you noticed anything like in the language you use and the syntactical construction, anything um, about your poetry that seems to be in that conversation with these ideas that we've just been unpacking? Mm, I think it is like the deciding of the language that I use that kind of embodies all of these things, right? Like I think that there are like phrases that are very much so of my grandmother and in that way like very Trini. Like uh I've I have a like poem that's not in the book, but there's a, a poem called Vexed, you know, that like thinks about, you know, my grandfather used to be like used to say I'm vexed, you know, like as an expression instead of I'm mad, you know, like <laughs> yeah. or I'm annoyed. It was yeah. I'm vexed, you know, like and so they're in that poem is like a contemplation of what is of you know here and also like what is of there and like also what does it mean to be in a space where really like you're just kind of aggregating right like you're just kind of consuming it all you know like the language and I think um I think one of the biggest ways is that the book takes place in like so many different places you know like it's just trying to consider what it means to be present in a place without the claiming of it being my place you know Mm -hmm. like so I think like Veterans Memorial Drive I wrote that literally when I had like just gotten into Tuscaloosa and it's like one of the only poems I've ever written on my phone Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just baffled by the fact that there was this like uh, fake helicopter and like fake truck like tank on the side of like a strip mall and I was like is this but it was on a place called Veterans Memorial Drive and I was like so is this how we are honoring veterans I was very confused but also like rightfully so exhilarated I was like what is this like this is the place I live now you know like um, and I think you know just trying to wonder about what it means to be like present in a space without the of for the I, you know, like is something that I is a, a way I try to I think navigate it, and I think now that I'm like dealing with new work, I try I'm trying to more purposefully wonder how I can dis like how I can be listening thoroughly in the places that I am, and also incorporate all of the places that I've been as a way of just being a like <laughs> a, a regional amalgamation you know like mm-hmm. or like a, a spatial amalgamation of many different things you know that which is like how we walk around in the world right yeah. mm-hmm. citizenship i am afraid of what i mean by loyalty a down 
ass, bitch. I'd ride to the grave for love. But what of where I made country of the place I live? My possible death plot? I ring my birth certificate of what will bury me in due time. What will come to the door asking of my allegiance? In times of war, I lack metaphor. War can be defined as everyone fucking up my money, mm. institutions and individuals alike. If I love you, I have threatened someone in your name. Mm. I'm from America. Blame my blood for the coming blood. Blame my murder and assault on someone's tame renaming. And still, am I even from here? Mm. Would I make myself violent in the name of a nation? Yes. <laughs> I would kill for my mother. Uh, ah! <laughs> Man. Thank you, friends. Thank you, friends. <laughs> oh, my God. And with that it's lead up too, I mean like so much of that, even like that last question, right? Like you're talking about all these places that you pass through that like become you, mm -hmm. right? And and I think there's a particular pairing there where like the place is a violence, mm -hmm. right? It's a kind of violence. Yeah. As soon as you name it a place, right? And maybe it's like as soon as you make boundaries around a thing, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you draw those lines, as soon as you are say this or that, like that is a violence, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And both like the consumption and the being of that violence mm -hmm. it's just it's so cool <laughs> so dope yes <laughs> in a poem like in the poem itself it's hella dope Thank oh my you. gosh and how you put from in italics I mean that's the one instance of mm -hmm. italics in the poem and just calling attention to these really overlooked pieces of language that in the context of a poem sure but even more in the context of a poem with this sort of purposeful wondering that you're doing Thank like you. it just puts pressure on on everything where you, where you can isolate those really tiny bits of language and they matter here. I think I love the most about the poem is how you think it's going to be about right being black in America and like dying in, as black in America, but it's more about what it means to be a citizen in America and how like what it means by loyalty, like citizenship and you know being nation nationality and all those things more so than it is about you know, the death of a black body, right? Mm -hmm. I'm afraid you're thinking, well, of course she's afraid. Blacks <laughs> in America, but it's about, about, about loyalty. It's like, oh, it's about Americanness, right? What does that mean mm -hmm. to be American and how are you contributing to the thought of America mm -hmm. and the violent America, the violence America kind of portrays in day-to-day -day things, right? It's great. Yeah. And then the, I will kill for, like the last line, yes. And then clear for the mother, it's like, I will kill for someone who I love, but even that is American, right? Killing mm -hmm. for someone you love is also American, right? Yeah. But still that being like part of being like, well, I'm from here, right? Mm -hmm. I'm from here, so I'm going to kill for someone I love, but that's violent, but also I'm afraid to be that violent, right? So mm -hmm. there's like a circling mm -hmm. around and around about what it means to be a citizen in America. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, friends. Yeah. Wow. And the yeah. collapse, honestly, like in that last line, right, where you collapse like the... Uh, inheritance of like nationality mm -hmm. into like the inheritance of your mother mm -hmm. right uh, to me as an immigrant like that's super strong right like i think of the american dream i in a lot of ways i feel like i have to defend the american dream and i have to defend like the idea of america because like you know my parents put everything on the line to come here mm -hmm. um and so if that 
is a failure. If the great American experiment is a failure, then my parents were wrong. Mm. And my existence here like needs to be fundamentally questioned. Yeah. Right. Oof, yeah. And so I really like that moment to me really shines. Mm. I love that. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Yo. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Y- you've, articulated various places that a core obsession of this book is intimacy and violence and the ways that those two things are intertwined um, and, you know, for better and for worse, inextricably linked. Um, But your work is really interested in, like, questioning that. And I I think you've used the language, like, you've been trying to unlearn that Mm -hmm. through the writing of poems. And I'm so fascinated by that idea of, writing a poem as an unlearning mm. um, and and a questioning. Um, so I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that and, and what you've learned from coming at that idea through poetry. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, what I, I think I've like begun to realize about my like process as a person in general is that writing is a kind of study for me, right? Like, so I read a lot. And then my way of trying to like digest or think through in my own particular way is through writing. And that's either through like scribbles of paragraphs <laughs> or like poems, you know. Um, and I think that a lot of me writing these poems was thinking through all that I have taken in, right? Like, mm-hmm. and what do I do? Especially like, you know, I had. Um, a particular teacher who was like you are both in in one poem in particular that I I needed to revise he was like you are both saying that the patriarchy is trash and also enacting the patriarchy Mm -hmm. through the weaponization that was the next part of my question yeah Yeah. and I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) oh shit (laughs) right you know like and I think so much of my work after this book especially in like the like the last poems that got added to this book was contending with the ways that i have understood solution Mm. as like violence you know like like there is such a heroism that we are taught from so young that like the valor is the person who wins Mm. with whatever that might mean you know like all means and the easiest way to look at that is a fight you know like Mm. the fact that it is there is like a winner and a loser so obviously is already a problem you know um but i think so much of me had to understand that like you know when you come from a place where like the ultimate space that you get to is like all right let's throw hands you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) then like that's that is also a kind of theorizing that is Mm -hmm. also like a kind of way of of learning to move through the world and like I was talking to a homie about like being in grad school and how confusing it was because I would get to places where I'm like I want to throw hands but like that's not what can happen you know like and so it's almost like not the space for that right but it's almost like also a stop up of energy because when you're from a place where like this is where it energetically this is the energetic peak you know like then what can happen after a fight really is like a lot of other kind of resolution which is are things that I'm thinking about now right like the ways where like I would like where you can consciously fight someone that you love and like that in that like I was talking with Eloisa about this actually a couple of weeks ago that like fighting is also a way of showing respect right like there are these other things that are not super like patriot like 
uh, patriarchy thought process in terms of win or lose, right? But like mm-hmm. that this is a way of sharing closeness and energy with a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which isn't the way I think mm-hmm. I thought about it at first when I was exploring some of these poems. Mm-hmm. But I think after the book and like looking at a lot of it and being able to digest the ways that I was studying, mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of understand that this is the next portion of what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that there are also ways that like you can healthily be thinking about what it means to be in space with people like this. Mm-hmm. Right, like, and that it can be play, that it can be all these other things that it is not, where it is not inflicting a kind of like purposeful violence that can re like either result to like a real pain of someone that is like super lasting, um, but that is like an energetic exchange, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. I think what it was for me was getting to a place where I this is no longer even like an answer and I had like you know when I was young I at some point was like I'm not going to do this anymore I'm not going to get angry and I'm not going to fight and that's not the way either that like Mm -hmm. anger has its place too Mm -hmm. you know and like rage has its place too and that really all of these are just circulations of energy Mm -hmm. you know like and so to be able to get to a place where this narrator is at least contemplating that like this is not the answer all the time right like mm-hmm. that like patriarchy has demonstrated to me right like the the ways that we have brought up you know that, that this is the only way that like fighting and being violent with your words too right which is often the worst violence mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like when we think about systemically and like all in all the things that we are like dealing with now it is the intangible violences right like that words produce in a lot of ways that is the thing that like is also a way of like you can't release that energy because who are you going to fight right like mm-hmm. the government is not a yeah. real body of persons exactly. you know like so where does that energy go exactly exactly and so I think being able to think and understand that like and kind of tuck back in violence or like not violence but like fighting as a tool mm-hmm. you know that's in a box of many other tools right it was something that like I ch- I like kind of energetically arrive on by the end of the book but that's also like some of my own issue with like some of the poems is that they don't all do that but it's also understanding that like I had to write those in order to get where I am now and like and how the new work is contemplating this new thing you know Yeah, I mean, even at the end there, right? Like you made the distinction between like fighting and violence, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. those things are different. Yeah. Um, On that note, when was the last time you did throw hands? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. You know, the last time I threw hands was when I was like a teenager. It's been a while. (laughs) But I did almost fight someone. Like, because, so, you know, men men can be wild, you know? They really can. We try. And like, right? You know, like, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot too is like, you know, that though, like, fighting can be this space of like respect and thankfulness, like, and gratitude and like a way to energetically share this space and then resolve, that fighting also is a way to like protect. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and me and my homegirl were out, like, last winter in Brooklyn, and some dude is on the line bugging, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, like, he said something rather homophobic, Mm -hmm. and that's when me and her turned up and was like, that's what you're not going to do, you know, like, (laughs) because, like, at first it was like, okay, now you're annoying, you Mm -hmm. know, like, but then he said that, and it was Mm -hmm. like, it was the just trash. of words. Exactly, right. exactly, and he meant it to be violent, Mm -hmm. you know, toward us, Mm -hmm. and we were like, (laughs) ha ha, 
fuck you know like yeah. at this point it's like okay my man you know <laughs> and so he's like kind of wilding out on the line and I'm getting more and more and my homegirl's with me and is seeing me you know <laughs> and so finally he like you know he's still talking about how he's gonna get some girls up the block to do ah 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 and I literally just was like shut the fuck up you trash and I'm just like and I like start to like clearly wind up and the security guard tells me to calm down of course and these are my issues with things it's like so now that I want to protect Mm -hmm. me and my homegirl's Mm -hmm. body because you wouldn't do it Mm -hmm. I'm the one who has to calm down but if he would have just struck us what would have happened because that's what he looked like he was doing you know like that's what he looked like he was ready to do and I was like well what I want to let you know is I'm not afraid of you mm-hmm. right like you are trying to weaponize your masculinity against mm-hmm. me so that I can be afraid mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid of you so mm-hmm. what happens now yeah. you know like and what happened was this bouncer telling me to chill out right like Ugh. and I think like that's a whole other thing right like in yeah. terms of what does it mean for people to tell the the person who is literally the the threat her right like the person totally. who is being threatened yeah. to not defend themselves yes. right yeah and this is where like I really love and appreciate your sort of nuanced definition of violence mm-hmm. right or, or even parsing out the difference between violence and fighting because mm-hmm. in this case like you were ready to fight but he was committing violence exactly. and like the institutional force there mm. was like protecting. Or, or was stopping the fight yeah. as opposed to stopping the, the violence, violence, right? Exactly. And I think a lot about Ooh. like mm-hmm. our politeness, like our culture yes. of politeness as a way that often mitigates uh, or that protects vi- actors of violence mm-hmm. because it is so focused on like the fighter, exactly. right? Yes. And that's like that whole like res- respectability, like yep. don't protest like that, don't exactly. act like that, don't pull up like that. Like, yeah. This is how you do things. Yep. Um, that's fascinating I think so much about like the violent imagination of women that Mm. we've sort of had to cultivate in response to violence done against us by men and how like in like speaking in my own brain like I'm constantly imagining like these violent scenarios and how I would respond it's like almost a weird form of fantasy because I always get away in those and just like what that does to your imagination to constantly be in that violent headspace without physically enacting it yep um and often you know thinking of poetry as the language of the imagination Mm -hmm. like it makes sense to me that so many women identified writers right now are writing very like visceral violent work because like that energy has to go somewhere and it has to go somewhere because if especially if we actually want to do a different thing Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we can't have it locked in us Mm -hmm. like how are we going to really imagine a different place if that energy is just locked in our bodies? Mm-hmm. It's not possible. We'll, we'll, we will continue to carry out and carry and like carry down to those who come after us mm-hmm. these imaginations because we did not get them out. You know, like mm-hmm. we will not be able to like possibly raise folks with these kind of mm-hmm. distinctions, you mm-hmm. know, like or pass along a possibility of that without at least letting the energy be energy and not be locked you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on your your message about heroism and valor um, i'm interested in like the mythologies in your book right um not just greek but also biblical um family mythologies and how they kind of all collapse into each other i kind of want to know more about that and how that kind of um is threaded along in the book because a lot of the times achilles or the son of achilles right is actual people in your book but not actual 
Greek you know figures right. right but then also pinned against the family right also biblical like mythology mythologies I don't yes. think it's all that, right yeah. um, so I want to know more about that how you like threaded that along what that actually what mythology actually means to you your poems and how you kind of move through the world mm, yeah oh wow yeah um, I think for me mythology is a kind of way of archiving you know it's a way of keeping history in a lot of ways and like uh, I think a lot about um, so my first semester in grad school whatever <laughs> I was in this classics class where we read the Iliad and we read the Aeneid and we read the Odyssey and all these things and I had never read the Iliad before um, I was writing like some of the poems in that book but I wasn't writing the Achilles poems mm-hmm. um, and then I read it I read I read the Iliad and I was like yo Achilles is black as fuck <laughs> <laughs> Like, he was not down to get involved until his homie. You feel me? Like, I was like, wow, his his mans got knocked. And then he was like, now everybody got to die. You know? Like, and that to me was, I was like, wow. Like, I know that person, you know? Like, I know that person intimately, yeah. right? Like, I know that person well. And mm-hmm. I always, I had always been told that these were, like, about white people. And I was like, where? Like, I was like, where? You know? I was very confused. You know, like yeah. they literally came to this man Achilles, like, yo, you gotta join the war. Like, you are our best fighter, you gotta join the war. And he's like, mm, nah. you wanna play my, like, you wanna watch me play my Lear? You know, like, he's I do like, a mean Lear. He's like, you wanna drink? You know, like, we could chill. Like, let's chill. And they were like, we are at war, you know? Like, and he's like, mm, I don't I, care. I'm like, hey, he's like, come to, uh, like, don't come back or come back to like get a drink, you know? Yeah. Like, and then they were like, yo, Patrocles, though. <laughs> They got him, you know. He was like, "Now it's on," you yeah. know. He's like, "Now it's time," yeah. you know. Like, and I think this kind of thing that I realized had been passed on for forever. Mm-hmm. You know that, like, that what is praised is this person at the very end getting involved and killing massive amounts of people, mm-hmm. and then starting the Olympic Games, basically, like just casually, I'm right? Like, In dedication to his homie. That's like the last seventy-five pages. It's like it's like also oh, the Olympic Games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and like that to me was something that I was like this is wild because I know these people and it became very generative for me to think about how like I know these people from yes. the block right like how I know these people from where I live literally mm-hmm. and then how like those people aren't celebrated for doing the same things that he does right mm-hmm. like those people are criminalized <laughs> mm-hmm. those are heroes maybe where they're at so in terms real. of like hood mythologies or like mm-hmm. of a place mythologies but those people often end up in prison or dead you know like and so what does it mean for when it actually is black people in real life that this is a criminalized thing and not a thing that gets a story and not a thing that is at least recorded you know like or is only recorded as property right like what does it mean to not record it in those ways right but to record these you know and then i grew up in the church and so naturally you know like many of the the myths of the bible mm-hmm. were fascinating for me you know in terms of thinking about how those also can dictate how a family moves mm-hmm. and how a family keeps secrets <laughs> and how mm-hmm. a family 
decides on mora- morality as well, right? Like all of these myths are also like contending with a kind of morality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's what myths do is yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, for, for really, you know, the Iliad, the, the Iliad is like praising the nation state, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like, it's very much so like killing for the possibility of your nation state continuing, right? Like two nations are at war and now there is one that has is the victor, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's the nation that gets to stay. That's the history that gets to continue being told, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even the fact that like in the Iliad you like you are described by your father's name you mm-hmm. know so much of this is thinking about those kind of exact things the patrilineage you yeah. know um, and so I think like so many of those myths are like threaded and like bumped around each other by thinking about like what what really is allowed to be archived and recorded and what sets up our poles of morality, you know, it, both to a country and to each other in relational ways, you know. Thank you to our guest, Nabila, for talking with us about her work, which is obviously amazing. Thank you to the Jack Straw Culture Center for allowing us to record in their space. Again, they're also amazing. Like what you hear? Good. Subscribe to us. Hit that button. Rate us five stars. Five. If, if you can do ten, then do five. ten. But five, five, I think, is the limit, <laughs> which helps other folks find us. Poetry Podcast. Lastly, follow us on Twitter at Poet Salon Pod and send us some questions, your thoughts, your auntie's best mac and cheese, your auntie's best fried chicken, your auntie's best <laughs> everything because we like to eat. And send all that to the Poet Salon Pod at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all. I don't wanna play house. I was born to run this. Building up my fortress, stacking up the mattress. You wanna weaponize this? Gonna show you these hands. Gonna take on these streets. Gonna show you who's man's. Cause my crew, mob steady. Feddy and spaghetti. Feddy and spaghetti. Feddy and the.